Welcome, sports fans. Welcome to the show, Sports Inside and Out, Legend of Sports. This is your host, C.B. Baker, filling in for Coach Hatcher. Um, Coach is still getting better, and we wish him well. I look forward to hearing his voice back on this show. And I got a great one here, folks. He's back. Wally Wonder is back on the show. We've got everything set up with him. But before I bring him up, I would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Armed Forces Network. While we were asleep, you were awake, making sure our way of life stays the same. Seabreeze, that's right, Seabreeze, a leader of transitional housing and more. And my main man, Flash G, is in the house. And the guy who keeps coach going back and forth when he's in the Hampton Roads area, Dan and Nissan, man, Nissan of Chesapeake. If you need a ride, please go see him. He will hook you up real good at swappingkeys.com. That is swappingkeys.com. Now, Wally, since we paid the bills, let's get let's get to you. Uh, welcome to the show, Wally Jones. Hey, CB, it's a pleasure to be back. And the excitement, uh, one thing I want to reach out and say hello to our armed forces, uh, people in SoundCloud, iHeart, and uh you know, one of the things I think that's important to keep updated on what's been happening, not only in the Philadelphia area, but also in the Tidewater area. Uh, November 3rd, the Philadelphia 76ers 1967 World Championship team was named the NBA's greatest team for the first 35 years. We're put in the Hall of Fame. We were put in the Philadelphia Hall of Fame, uh, CB, and it was a wonderful affair. They actually awarded Jay Wright from my old school, Villanova, they awarded Marilyn Stevens and all all American from Temple University and uh, a flyer player. We had about 14 inductees in Philadelphia Hall of Fame, and it just so happened, you know, we're talking about Hall of Fame. The Hampton Roads Black Hall of Fame in the Tidewater area inducted the Concerned Athletes in Action. Now that's an organization I brought to uh, Norfolk area, the Tidewater area. Uh, with the uh, with the support of Bob Danders, I was playing with the Milwaukee Bucks when I moved to College Park and really had a wonderful time where Raz Brown, one of the architects of uh, the Concerned Athletes, snagged with myself, Pep Mars, of course, Hamp Anderson, former teachers and great coaches in the area, but some of the great ball players, Kenny Easley, I know you know of him, CB. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one, yeah, one of the greats of Oscar Smith was there. Uh, Wilson Washington, Old Dominion All-American. I actually drafted Wilson for the Sixers when I scouted for the Sixers. Uh, first round for the Sixers when he came out of Old Dominion. So I could name more and more ball players, Curtis Cole and Derek Vaughn and some of the great ball players in that area. And uh, it was a wonderful affair. One of the things... I want to say that Raz Brown is trying to conceive of an idea to get young men to take up of what we did in those years, in the 70s and the early 80s. So that was really fantastic. I'm, I'm moving it on, CB. Yeah. December 3rd, uh, matter of fact, my son Askia's birthday, uh, the 76ers brought us back to the Wells Fargo Arena where they were playing the Celtics and brought our team back for our 50th anniversary of our championship team, the 1967 team that won the championship, beating Boston. We stopped their eight-year dynasty, and we beat Rick Barry and Nate Thurman to go say was for the world championship. Billy Cunningham, uh, Matt Gukas, uh, Bill Malchione, who played with me at Villanova, Chet the Jet Walker, 
uh, Dave Gamby, and I must say one of the greatest middle distance shooters, Hal Greer. And I was so happy to see him, hadn't seen him in 20 years. So we celebrated that. Just a note to our, our listeners, it was such a wonderful turnout to see the community come out and recognize one of the NBA's greatest teams. Yeah. It was a wonderful affair, CB. You know, the one thing I will say, Wally, that is um, very interesting is before I started really hanging out with you and, and Coach, I really didn't know anything about the 67-76ers team. And then after, you know, of course, hanging out with you and hearing all of the stories, and of course, as we went traveling across the nation and meeting some of the older guys that was playing back then, the numbers or the stats started getting larger and larger. It was going from 15 points a game to like 29 points a game. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it was exciting. Yeah, the one thing that was um, that I really – wanted to ask you a question is playing back then. I, I know it's almost impossible to compare the game then to now, but what did you, what have you noticed over the years from playing on that six to 17 and scouting and, and things like that to today's game? What is the major difference or what was the transition or evolution of the sport of basketball in the NBA? Well, one of the biggest transitions that I see was the hands-on. We were allowed to physically put our hands on them so I could have my hands on the guy's waist. The physicality of the game was more of the in and out. Of course, Will Chamberlain at that time um, uh, actually was second place in, in assists. He had broken so many records. Can't, I can't even, if people really Google him averaging 50 points a game, 24 rebounds, but averaging 11 assists and only 24 points, what he did with our team was he allowed us to actually pivot. We would actually put it in the pivot, and he, we would rotate around him. And that system where he was a passer, that why he, he actually, a second in leading the league in assists was so important because people didn't realize when he played with the Globetrotters, that where he, that's where he gained his skills on handling that basketball like a little grapefruit. I mean, this right. man, one of the most powerful men in the world. When you talk about... Uh, physical skills. He was a high jumper, a shot putter. Uh, he did so many things. He played volleyball, three-man volleyball. He was one of the most extraordinary athletes ever. But one of the things, CB, I, I really have to tell people, and we had our roundtable discussion at the Sixers office, was the basketball IQ of our team. And he was one of the renowned, I mean, as in not only a scholar athlete at Kansas, this young man was a renaissance man, very intelligent man. And because of his travels with the Globetrotters around the world, he was very worldly. And he was a guy that, uh, one thing about our team, we have five guys from Philadelphia on that team. Uh, Matt Gukas from St. Joe and uh, Melchione, um, of course, Will and myself. But we only had one coach, but we had an assistant coach called Vince Miller. He played high school ball with, Will at Overbrook High School, the high school I went to, but he also played ball with my brother at North Carolina A&T and Al Adels, one of the great NBA greats and great coaches and players. And what we did, and I want our people to listen, we didn't make a lot of money, so we had summer jobs. So Billy and Chet and Luke and I, we worked for Atlantic Richfield, and we did clinics all around the city, Delaware, New Jersey, so everybody knew us, and we right. played in the Baker League. And what it was, we played on different teams, 
but you had to earn a living outside of basketball because the outrageous, when I talk about outrageous uh, first-round draft choices during that era, making close to maybe $15,000 or $10,000. And being very realistic with you, CB, uh, it was tough. Right. And that's why we had to have summer jobs. But physically, uh, we were a very physical team. Luke Jackson, prototype power forward. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it. Uh, he's one of the guys that is still alive with the other seven of us. But unfortunately, we lost Larry Costello. We lost our coach, Alex Hannum. And we lost one of the greatest ball, basketball players ever to play, Will Chamberlain. So we did have a family reunion, and we discussed just what you said, the physicality, the travel. We traveled in DC-3s. We traveled on buses and trains. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I worked for the Heat. For 20 years, and I traveled on a private plane where they had their own chefs. Right. We had bologna sandwiches after games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's quite a difference in the game because of the physicality. But I, but I think, again, the game is more wide open. And I experienced the game when I played with Moses Malone, uh, Petersburg, Virginia, in Utah in the ABA because it was a wide open game then with three-point shots. Right. We didn't have the three-point shot when I played in the NBA. Uh, I may have averaged maybe 17 points. I averaged about 13. But because of the three-point shot in the ABA, the game was wide open. And it was, it was entertaining, and I enjoyed that one year in Utah. But that's what the NBA has come to today. Uh, last night I saw Clay Thompson score 60 points. Yeah. And threes from all over, and... The game is where the skill level, when I say the great shooters, we had shooters in the middle distance, but we didn't have a lot of guys that shot the long distance. I had a long distance shot, but when you look at the players now, they run on fast breaks, CB, and they don't go to the basket. They run to the three-point line. Right, right. So the, the game is entertaining, and the skill level is tremendous. My goodness, they got some, some of the greatest shooters I've ever seen on not only Golden State, but other teams, but um, that's the difference. I think the physicality, the game was played from the center position on out. Now, I could name, and for a historical point of view, that was the first game where they had 10 African-Americans starting. Boston Celtics had five, and we had five. So historical viewpoint, we had the first time ever in a playoff game, uh, 10 African-Americans starting. Uh, for wow. a viewpoint of historical uh, point of view, uh, civil rights was pretty heavy our second year after we won the championship in 67. Unfortunately, Martha, Martin Luther King was assassinated then, but civil rights was really tough during our times because there were a lot of times, CB, there were places that wouldn't allow us to eat or stay in a hotel. Right. And believe me, that was in, again, the 60s. Right. So uh, times have changed, but... Yeah, it's you know. just it's it's yes, crazy at, at the end of the day where you got two teams that's playing for the NBA championship and the starting five of both teams cannot eat in certain restaurants in the South. Yeah, it, it's it's something that you really look at how are the teams have changed, society's changed, travel has changed, yeah, nutrition, the exercise. Billy Cunningham looked it up and on that championship team there were eighty one games. Everyone on our team, and I'll tell you what, there are 15 on the team now, CB. We had 10 guys. Now, wow. just listen to me. 
10 guys, one coach. And, of course, we had a trainer, Al Dominico, one of the greatest guys. But uh, Billy looked it up while we were in Philadelphia at the Sixers game. And everybody played 81 games, but Hal Greer, he made 80. So when you look at guys now, where they're resting or they play back-to-backs, Billy looked it up, and some nights we played four games back-to-back or five games in seven days. So the, the travel, the physicality, the nutrition, uh, it was amazing to compete at that level. With, well, we only had, let me see, maybe 16 to 20 teams. Now they have 30 teams. They have 450 ballplayers in the NBA today. And at that time, again, I say 16 teams times 10. You know, you know I'd like to touch on math, I'd like to touch on one thing that you mentioned, which was, you know, everybody having summer jobs and also the fact that you played in a the Baker League, which was which really put the best of the best, you know, especially when y'all played against the teams in the Rucker League in New York. Uh, you know, from yeah. Philly. Yeah. And right now in the NBA, you really don't have that because of the, the contract status of how everybody is. Unless you go and play for the Olympic team, you're not getting that real interaction of actual gameplay against other elite players because like how y'all was doing back in the um, 60s and 70s, playing each other during the off season, And really, it showed up on the court, too. Yes, it did. It, you know, you, you you work on your craft, and you see a lot of these players now. And guys do work on their craft, but they don't have the organized games that they have like we had, even the Ruggers being the Metro League. We played against the best in D.C. So it sort of carried on down the East Coast, especially with the talent that we had and guys that came from the Eastern Seaboard. It was something that we really appreciated playing playing with guys and the fellowship that we had for those guys that played on those opposing teams. So it was an interesting um, an era where, you know, I, and I talk about this because of the importance of how our teams, um, we would go out together as a family after games. We'd go out and um, really be together as teammates and family on special occasions and things of that nature. And, uh, Billy Cunningham sort of brought that sort of, family atmosphere when he was a part of the Heat when I worked for 20 years there. It was sort of the same family team concept. But I'm very proud to be a part of uh, that Sixer organization. And some of the things that they help us with uh, that's important now with their alumni and youth marketing is that our Shoot for Stars Institute program and our Sports Inside and Out, we broadcast last year at our high school showcase. So there are events that we have on that Coach Hatcher, uh, God bless him, we're saying our prayers for Coach, that we'll still be doing with Glenn Mills Correctional Facility on January the 6th, uh, training with the students in the correctional facility on the oldest and also our high school showcase. But um, I think one of the things that we're proud of is the little Bobby Jones Memorial in the name of my older brother. We still work with special population kids doing things with them in the morning and also working with student athletes in the afternoon and actually raising money to have a stipend for those kids for books. So I'm really involved a lot in Philadelphia, but one of the things I'm proud of is my Richmond, Virginia connection, 
We have the Superstars Academic Program with the Boys and Girls Club, Salvation Army, and Churchill. So Washington Wizards, who I played for, oh, I played for the Bullets, where I made the NDR rookie team. They're going to have tickets as incentives for our kids at the Salvation Army Boys and Girls Club to come up in January. So I'll be in that area again, CB. Okay. Trying to help our most important natural resource, our youth. That's right. And, you know, you do, you and Coach Hatcher um, do a whole lot for the youth. You know, when I, when I'm going out with y'all, when I got, when I get freed up from my own business and, you know, I go out and I go with you all to speak with the um, kids and the youth. And we also talk with the parents to be able to make sure that what we say is echoed again later on throughout the week at home. Cause that's where really the kids are really raised at is at home. And, but it's, right. it's, it's real refreshing. And, and I tell people, I said, when I see Wally Jones, a NBA legend, go to the free throw line to show a kid, this is how you shoot the ball. You, when you come to the court, the first thing you do, you go to the free throw line, you shoot free throws. And I, and I, I remember that every time, Wally, when I watch an NBA game and I see this guy making millions of dollars, and he goes to the free throw line, and he's got a 50, uh, 50% free throw percentage shot. And I'm like, you get paid $6, 7000000 million, and you cannot make a free throw. It it's baffles me. But it just goes to show you how a lot of times in society, we leave out the most basic thing. And that's what I really enjoy that you do, admire that what you do is you make sure that those basic concepts and the fundamentals of basketball, defense, good defense, good position, and and also shooting that ball, making sure you follow through, and then you relate it to everybody in their life and being able to transition those things to their life as they get to be young adults. Yeah, I think it's so important, CB, is, is really the superstars back to basic camp which is our fourth year running at Ben Franklin High, which is uh, Ken Hamilton, my best friend. Uh, he was the coach there, the winningest coach in Philadelphia. We actually have the inner city camps because a lot of kids can't afford it. And we're back to basics. And that's, that's what we teach, the basic fundamentals of the game. But we also teach the basic fundamentals of academics, uh, having an academic plan, uh, how to read to achieve. But I'm just like you. I see some of these guys that pay all that money. I said, where are the shooting coaches to show these guys how to shoot? <laughs> I mean, you're getting a lot of money. And these are not only the big men who are shooting terrible percentages, but there are a lot of other guards and forwards that have terrible shooting percentages. And it's very important to improve your craft. And one thing I worked, I mean, very hard on was Hal Greer. He actually shot a jump shot for a foul shot and shot over 80% for 15 years. And we used to have competition to see who would shoot the best percentage foul shot. So right. in practice, we were at the practice, we took another half hour, 45 minutes, really working on our foul shooting, um, foul shooting itself. But our, what I liked was the competition right. to try to really compete with him to be shoot over 80%. And I, I was so privileged that uh, Alex Hannum, God bless his soul, our, our coach, who's passed away, he used to allow me to shoot technicals. And that responsibility, CB, just gave me more confidence that I could go up there and knock that down and uh, do something for my team to help. It says free, free throw. Right. Nobody's on you, and it's free. 
So take advantage of freedom, and I think our kids should take advantage of their time and use it, you know, constructively. Right. I'm talking about uh, the mental aspect of the game, which that's why we talked about the IQ of the game and how they play today and how we played then. Of course, again, uh, I have to tell you, it was very, very physical. So when you see the shooting percentages, because guys could be hanging on you, hitting you hands-on, it's a different type game. But it's a game that I enjoy to watch today. And uh, speaking on that, the NBA is exciting. Uh, Cleveland ahead in the Central Division. Chicago with Dwayne Wade and those guys are right behind them in the Central Division. And this year has changed the first eight. So there's no more division championships, Atlantic, Central, uh, and also Southeast conferences. The Charlotte Hornets are playing well, 12 and 9. Atlanta's 10 and 12. Uh, my Miami Heat, 7 and 13. They're going to a transition CB. Yeah. But the Western Conference, Oklahoma City, Russell, Westbrook, six straight double double, triple doubles. Triple doubles, that's right. And, uh, yeah, triple doubles. You got, again, Utah, 12 and 9. Pacific Golden State, again, they're looking as good as ever, CB. They got KD, Kevin Durant, and they look tremendous. 17-3, and three, the Clippers, 16-6. and six. Of course, the Lakers, I like the job Bill Walton's doing, 10-12. and 12. Uh, Bringing up the Southwest, San Antonio, 17-4. and four. Houston, 14-7 with... Uh, James Harden playing some great basketball in Memphis, 14-8. and eight. That's good to just a roundout about the NBA. You know, Wally, I think it's amazing how well the San Antonio Spurs just just keep chugging along year after year. Great team. What are you talking about? Popovich, one of the great, greatest coaches in the NBA. What he does, his system allows these ball players to be themselves, but he has a system where – I like the way Golden State, they're more assists. And that's the way the game should be played. You hit the open man. But he's he's changes maybe five or six new players, and they're playing some great ball. I saw them last night win. And a lot of times they win because they have those veterans that know how to finish the game. They picked up Pal Casal last year. They picked up uh, Aldridge, a great basketball player. But they got a young ball players on that team that I like, and uh, Simmons. Uh, these young ball players, uh, Anderson from UCLA, uh, an all-around ball player that that can play a, a guard forward type ball player. But Tony Park and Ginobili are still playing that basketball, and they have a system that is very good. Patty Mills, the Australian ball player, uh, come off the bench. These guys play together, and the key ball player is Kawhi Leonard, defensive player of the year, and now he's playing defense, and one of the best offensive players for that team. So they're going to be something to beckon with the Golden State Warriors, and I look at also Oklahoma City and the Clippers as being the top players, top teams in that in that uh, Western Conference. All right, Wally. So we got about a couple minutes, uh, a couple minutes here. So what we got to look forward to next week as we come back with the Wally Wonder segment? Well, one of the things I'm, I'm looking at, and I'm getting in con- contact with Jay Wright, uh, who won the NCAA championship. Oh, a great coach and great person uh, when you talk about making sure his kids graduate. Uh, Lonnie Blow, one of our concerned athletes in action, 
students that came out to be a winner in the CIAA with St. Augustine, but now he's at uh, Virginia State, Coach of the Year in the CIAA, champion there. And I wanted to bring a little flavor of those coaches. Also, we'll be bringing on some guests that are working with Legacy Pathways. Um, it's Dr. Joy Spragans. I want our people to know what we're doing about education. We're working with a globetrotter named Dave Mays, who works for NASA. And what we're doing in the city of Philadelphia, and we're trying to do in Maryland and Virginia, is to get kids more involved with engineering, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. What we're trying to do is give them tours to NASA. Uh, Guy Buford, I know personally, an astronaut from Overbrook High School. Uh, we have over five or six astronauts that are involved in our program where we're trying to emphasize in the inner city of trying to getting our underprivileged kids, and not just not African-American, but all kids that are in the inner city to get them involved more with engineering. So I'm going to try to get Dr. Joy Spragans, Legacy Pathways. We partner up with Sports Inside and Out and Shuper Stars Institute. So I told Clarence a little bit about it. And your dad has been supporting us for all this time. I want to take a shout-out to Clarence and say thank you for keeping supporting our endeavors on the East Coast. And that's just not in Philly. It's East Coast, all the way to Norfolk, all the way up. Well, I know he's glad to hear that. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for taking a listen. Uh, if you can follow us on Facebook, if you find us on Facebook, we're at Sports Inside and Out, Legends of Sports on Facebook. Also, you can hear this show on, you can hear the podcast on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. So thank you so much, everybody. And I want you to understand this one thing. When legends speak, people listen. Everybody listens. <laughs>